Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, everyone, we're in Malachi today, chapter 2. We'll start at verse 17 and um, extend through chapter 3, verse 4. And um, up until this time, um, God has been um, sort of rebuking the, the priests, uh, the people in power, and He's been now giving some marital advice about... Um, being faithful to one another so that your marriage can produce godly offspring, which will be pleasing to the Lord, uh, guarding yourselves in your spirit. And we were talking about the godly math here. One plus one plus one equals one. How does that, what does that mean? It means uh, two people joined in marriage, but there's also a union of the spirit. Because he said, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? That was back in verse 15. So, there's a there's two people in a marriage, a husband and a wife, and it's ordained by God, and it is joined in the Spirit of God. And so, those two people become one, not only together in their marriage, but also individually they become one in the body of Christ. So, the Scriptures warn uh, against being faithless. So, you, uh, it warns to guard yourselves. It encourages us to guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. And then we take up again in verse 17. It's almost like a... Um, talking about this faithless attitude, but you have wearied the Lord with your words. Okay, and so this is Malachi talking to the people. You've wearied the Lord. And these are people who are saying, but you say, how have we wearied him? Okay, so they're sort of like, it's almost like a sarcastic answer. They're not, they're not convicted really of what they've been up to. Maybe these are people who are faithless in their marriages, faithless in their commitments to one another. And he's saying, look, you've wearied me. And it's probably extending not only from their marriages, but it extends to how they are worshiping God. 
And then, you know, God is quoting the people, but you say, how have we wearied him? You know, and then the answer is that by saying everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. You know, and that's like, that's what's on, that's what's coming out of your mouth, people. You know, it's this, you know, the as McGee says, it's the new morality. You know, these people had come back from Babylon. They had rebuilt the temple like, you know, God asked them to do. And they're looking around. How are we supposed to worship? But nobody's really committing. You know, they're faithless people. And they're saying, well, you know, we don't see really any evidence of God in his temple. Where is he? You know, how relevant is he? And that's just weary wearisome to God with this half-hearted worship, half-hearted commitment to one another. And that when they come up with this new morality by saying, everybody, it's okay to, to do evil, you know, you know, what's right for you is right for you and what's wrong for you, you know, me might be wrong for me, you know, it's sort of this relative morality or it's been called moral relativism. You know, everybody who does evil is good in the sight of Lord, and he delights in them. Yeah, no problem, because he, he just loves everybody, and, you know, everything is okay. Um, he'll forgive you in the end, you know. Or people ask, well, where is the God of justice? You know, God's not really down here. He's not really relevant. I mean, that other person over there is is, you know, cheating on his taxes or cheating on his wife or you know, not really worshiping very well or just kind of it seems to be in for himself or herself and they just are selfish people, you know, you know, I got to do the same thing or I'm going to lose out. Or, you know, these these wealthy businessmen are walking all over me, you know, and um, they're making a little extra profit on the side. You know, why shouldn't I, you know? And that is just so wearisome to God because God is saying, look, folks, I am relevant and my morality is what you need to be faithful to. You know, you got to be faithful to one another. How are you, if you're not faithful to one another, how are you going to be faithful to me? And uh, so then this, he's sort of asking rhetorical questions here. So verse uh, chapter three uh, verses 1 through 4 is kind of like what McGee says is like an answer to this question. So there are people are asking, where is the God of justice? So verse 3, you're going to get yourself an answer here. Cha- I mean, chapter 3, you're going to get yourself an answer. So chapter 3, verse 1, he says, okay, you're asking where is the God of justice? For chapter 3, verse 1, he says, okay, behold, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way for me. Now, my messenger is not really talking about Malachi being the messenger because he's looking forward. He's looking even way on down the road past Malachi's lifespan. He's saying my messenger is um, John the Baptist. And it's almost like Malachi, the, the name Malachi is kind of a play on words anyway because Malachi's name means my messenger. Okay, so my messenger, Malachi, is talking about a future messenger being John the Baptist. Isn't that an interesting little uh, play on words there? 
I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. So who's talking here? This is the Lord talking, and the Lord is saying, through Malachi, which means my messenger, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom you seek, will suddenly come to his temple. Okay? So the Lord whom you seek is talking about Jesus Christ now. Will suddenly come to his temple. Now, Jesus will come to the temple. But McGee is suggesting that come to his temple suddenly might perhaps mean the second coming of Christ. Because the second coming, the first coming of Christ, Jesus comes into the world as a baby. Um, he's coming into the world as more or less a sac- is more is a sacrifice for all sin. But his second coming, he is coming to judge, to cleanse, and to reestablish his kingdom. Okay, and that will be quick. So let's read it with that in mind. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. So Christ is the messenger of this covenant in whom you delight. The covenant, this is the covenant between God and his people, made into the flesh, Jesus Christ. And this covenant, and this covenant is the gospel message, the new covenant. Verse 2, but who can endure the day of his coming? Again, it's not the first coming because they actually put Jesus to death. So he's really talking about the day of his coming as his second coming. And who can stand it, can stand when he appears? Okay, when Jesus Christ comes in his second coming, he's coming in his glory. And nobody, when Jesus Christ's glory is revealed, can stand. They're going to, everybody's going to be on their knees because he is worthy. That's what it talks about in Revelation. All Everybody will be on their knees bowing before him. For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and and as in former years. So it circles right back around to worship. You know, God's telling them back in chapter uh, 2, verse 17, as we started, the kind of worship that the people were doing was wearisome to the Lord. You know? The people were claiming religion, but they weren't claiming Him. They were claiming religious festivals, but they weren't claiming Him. They were claiming all kind of pompous tradition or fasting or whatever they wanted to say, but they weren't claiming Him. 
They weren't faithful to one another. They weren't faithful to the Lord. It was such a wearisome experience. And the people were even asking, where is God? Where is this God of justice? There is no real justice. What's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. God answers them. He's saying, I'm going to send someone to prepare my way. And then I'm going to come quickly. And who can stand when he appears? And it's this sort of Malachi again talking, talking about Christ. Who, for he is like a refiner's soap and a fuller's, a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. So when Christ comes, he is coming to, he's coming to judge and to cleanse, to refine, to purify. Okay? So that what? So that worship again can be in righteousness. Because that's what, we, that's what we need to be doing, is worshiping in righteousness. So, that's where we'll stop today. We'll take, a, take up tomorrow um, and continue our study through this great book of Malachi. And then I believe we are scheduled to take up the book of Revelation. I've always wanted to do this study and uh, can't wait to get into it. So now I'll turn the rest of our podcast today over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Everyone there is uh, doing well and healthy. Um, look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Malachi chapter 2, beginning at verse 17 all the way to Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 to verse 4 so in our study yesterday we left um, off at verse 17 that's uh, Malachi 2 verse 17 and you know the first few verses of chapter 3 give God's answer to the question that was asked um, when we ended at verse 17 of Malachi chapter 2 so in chapter 3, the first six verses is um, parenthesis. It's like Haggai. It's like in the book of Haggai when we studied Haggai and Zechariah. In um, the middle of both of these books, there was the historical interlude or the parenthetical section. So here it's the prediction of two messengers. That's what we have in chapter 3, the first six verses. So we have the prediction of um, two messengers, and this will be God's answer to these people here. So having concluded this section here on the social sin in um, verse 17 of chapter 2, God says to them, um, that's relating to, you know, the family and divorce as the core problem, the biggest problem that was the root cause of this nation's, you know, rotten um, God um, not answering their prayers and God judging them. So verse 17 um, reads, you have, wearied the, you have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say, in what way have we wearied him? In, what, in that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Or where is the God of justice? So this is the fainted, injured, insolence, you know, response of the people. 
so they actually um pre- they have this pretended ignorance this pretended ignorance and offense so they are offended that god would say this to them so because they you know they were very ignorant of their sin apparently so this is the fifth sarcastic question that these people of god um are asking and god has an answer for them all the time and um can answer for all of uh, and god actually has an answer for you know all the all the problems that we face and we ask god um why so if these people were bored with religion so was god so that was god's reaction so god's reaction is you make me tired and um you know contemptuously and impudently they actually contradict God. And, you know, he actually lays it on the line and tells it as it is. So God tells them that, you know, you know, they say, um, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord and he delights in them or where is the God of justice? So, you know, they are the ones who introduced a new morality in their day so there was a new morality in noah's day and we have a new morality in our day as well today and it's so much like that of the past so it's not a new morality it's something that's been there you know that is um you know each person is to do as um you know as he thinks you know each person is to do his own thing his own way and he is to have his own liberty you know because there's so many there's so many liberal rights today and you know no one is to actually interfere in the person's liberties and all it's not a new morality it was there in noah's time so what they are saying here is this you know where is the god of judgment or justice that's what they are saying and this question actually arises a lot in um the history of mankind you know that man says why do sinners get by with stuff why do sinners prosper and don't have any trouble when you have a child of god who actually goes through trouble and goes through suffering so david saw this sort of thing in his days as well as those that were not serving god were actually getting by with evil and the righteous are the ones that were being um, persecuted and were suffering and it actually disturbed him and we have this in psalms 73 verse 2 and 3 and it reads but as for me my feet had almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped for i was envious of for i was envious of the boastful when i saw the prosperity of the wicked so here david is asking he is saying you know the rich get richer and the poor saints of god are the ones not prospering at all and this is exactly what these people were also saying in malachi's day so in this situation you know and and this type type of situation actually produces a new morality and that's what we have today so isaiah said the day will come when they would call evil good and good evil and that day actually has come and they do so because they actually look around them and say god's doing nothing about um this and this was you know habakkuk's problem as well habakkuk looked around and said you know 
you, God, you're not doing anything about this. Look at what's going on. There's so much evil. You know, people want to, um, you know, uplift the rich and the people who are committing all these injustices and all. And, um, you know, that's just our society today. You know, the rich get by with so many things. So people say crime pays. And you have a lot of people engaging in crime. So David got an answer from God to his problem. And his answer we have in Psalm 73 verse 17, which reads, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. So we should, as David did, we should look at the far off future and not the immediate present. So it's always important to look far off, you know, the plans and um, programs that God has, because that's into eternity. So they asked the question, these people in Malachi's time, where is the God of justice? And God gives them an answer. So God has a plan and program. So he gives them an answer. And chapter three, verse one, God answers their question of where is the God of justice? So verse one of chapter three, reads behold i send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the lord of hosts so in this verse we have two messengers so the first is john the baptist and the second is the messenger of the covenant and that's the lord jesus christ so the first messenger that is to go before and um, prepare the way is John the Baptist. And it's quoted in awful gospels as applying to John the Baptist. But the messenger of the covenant is never quoted anywhere in the gospel because this messenger of the covenant is the Lord Jesus Christ, but has nothing to do with his first coming. So he didn't come the first time to judge. He came to save, to bring grace, not government. He came as the savior and not the sovereign. So it's not coded. So we will now turn to different passages of scripture that actually refer to John the Baptist. And first we turn to the book of Matthew. That's Matthew 11, verse 9 and 10, which reads, um, But... What did you go out to see a prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he who is, who, whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. So this the Lord Jesus Christ um, said. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 2, it reads, um, great, let me turn to Mark. Sorry, just a second. Mm, okay, so in Mark 1, verse 2, it reads, As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. And in Luke 7.27, it reads, um, okay, this is he 
of whom it is written, Behold, I send, a I send my messenger before your face, whom will prepare your way before you. And in the book of John, that's John 1, 23, it reads, He said, I am the voice of, the, of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So this, um, so in all this, it's quoted as the first messenger who is John the Baptist so that there's no confusion. So this is the answer. God will actually um, send him first. So God is giving these people an answer. So God will send him first as a savior. That's, um, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ as God uh, manifest in flesh because he's gracious and he wants to actually save his coming again as the messenger of the covenant that is to execute justice and judgment on this earth so god intends to actually judge mankind and if you won't have him as a savior today you will have him as a judge uh you know whether you like it or not so we will not get by with sin um and you know these people were thinking they were asking the question because they were looking at the immediate present they were not looking at the far of future um and god is giving them an answer that he has a program and you know they will not get by with sin so god is coming and he's coming to judge so it doesn't matter who you are you know where you're coming from and all you won't get by with it at all you know you may be living it up right now but um you're going to be answerable in the future for all your sins so the lord jesus christ whom we know as the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament is known as the angel of the covenant in the Old Testament. Verse 2 of Malachi chapter 3 goes on to read, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like um, plunderer's soap. So we know... Um, here he's referring to the second coming because he's talking about judgment. So that's the second coming, not the first coming. So he actually intends to cleanse, clean, to purify. Verse 3 goes on to read, He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. So he will cleanse those who will enter the millennium. So he will be cleansing, you know, like here the the phrase that's used, um, like the use of soap. That's what we use to actually cleanse and clean. And there will be fire that's used for testing, that's purifying us. So here, like it states here, um, the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. So it doesn't mean like he's coming like immediately today. No, um, he is coming, and he's coming soon. That's what that implies. So verse 4 goes on to read, Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be, blessed, will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. So in that day, God will finally accept our sacrifices. But today, you know, our hearts are very far from God, and we are in rebellion against God, and we are disobeying God, and God can't accept our religion at all because our hearts are far from him, and we are disobeying God as of now. Okay, so this is today's teaching. God is giving them an answer, and it's applicable to us as well. You know, the questions we may have you know, why isn't God doing anything? You know, God's quiet and all. No, um, 
we ought to look at not the current situation, the present situation right now. Um, because right now we have what we're deeming as a new morality because God's not doing anything about it. And, you know, the wicked are prospering, the rich are getting richer, you know, people are being uh, defrauded and, um, you know, there's so much injustice and God's people are suffering because we're looking at it from an immediate point of view and not futuristic. So God's God has a program and he has a plan and purpose and we ought to look into the future, into eternity because what today we're deeming, like God's not doing anything today, to, it's going to be yesterday. Um, um, and we ought to look to the future. So yeah, this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.